Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us for uh, a little talk on managing stress while you're preparing for the bar. Uh, I just want to thank you for, for making the time. I was mentioning to Caitlin that uh, this is an important topic, but it's often one that is hard to prioritize because when you're in the midst of the stress of preparing for the exam, it feels like you know, this is just yet another thing to add to your plate. So it's it can be really challenging to prioritize a program like this to get helpful information because you're already feeling overwhelmed. So just to acknowledge the, the decision, the sacrifice that you've made to be here live or uh, the, the decision to use the time to view this recording later. Um, so good on you. Um, so let's start with... A little inter introduction. So if we have not had the opportunity before, my name is Dr. Sean Healy. I'm a clinical psychologist with Lawyers Concerns Concern for Lawyers. Um, I do a variety of things at Lawyers Concern for Lawyers. Some of it is writing. Uh, as you can tell, I do presentations as well. We also do consultations. Um, lawyers Concern for Lawyers, if you don't know, is a lawyer's assistance program. And we are a free and confidential service. So we serve law students, lawyers, judges, and legal professionals in Massachusetts. I always take the, the opportunity to tell people about our services because one, sometimes people forget that we're here for them and also that we're a free and confidential service. So we can help with a variety of things. I won't go over all the uh, all of our services right now, but I invite you to check out our website and to get familiar with us as a resource for you. So let's jump in. Um, let's start with, I'll pose the general question of how can you effectively prepare for the bar exam? Obviously, if you're um, about to take the bar exam, you are spending a lot of time and energy preparing for it. Some of the preparations are sort of the traditional preparations of bar exam review, studying, study groups, things like that. I'm going to take a different perspective because I'm a psychologist and therefore you'd expect something different from me. I, I would encourage you to first start with your mindset about the bar exam. And I pose this question, what is the bar exam? It's an obvious question. Don't answer it. Um, but not just what it is, but what it means to you, all right? So think about how do you think about the bar exam? So your mindset about the bar exam is going to impact your performance. And an example of how our mindset affects our performance is a different example, which are intelligence tests. So if you take an intelligence test, and you think the test measures your intelligence, that adds pressure and you do worse. If you took the same test, but you did not think it measured your intelligence, like it was labeled something else, not an IQ test, it was labeled something benign, you would actually do better on that test because your mindset about it wouldn't weigh you down a little bit. So, I use that example to point out that sometimes the way that we're thinking about the task at hand can either harm or help us with that task. So if you're thinking about the bar exam in some unhelpful way, then that actually might make it harder to prepare for it and to succeed on it. I will go over some, some tips on that in the, the next slide. But first, in terms of your mindset, there's a lot of research that looks at how resilient people have two common traits. One is grit and one is a growth mindset. So grit in a nutshell is just like determination, right? I'm not going to give up. I'm going to try hard. Even if, it, if I fail, if I fail, I'm going to try again, right? I don't expect myself to do things perfectly, but I'm going to be persistent. And having that attitude and that mindset that I'm going to be persistent at this, right? I've already decided I'm going to do it. It's just a matter of time and effort, but I'm, I'm, going, to go on, I'm going to do it. The other is a growth mindset. And that is when we look at a situation 
not as an either or, right? So for example, my success in the bar exam is not uh, an either or, like I either have what it takes to be a lawyer or I don't, right? I'm smart enough to be a lawyer or I'm not, right? That is a fixed mindset. A growth mindset is all about thinking of everything that comes your way as an opportunity to learn more. And what is true for today isn't necessarily true for tomorrow. What I struggle with today isn't what I'm going to struggle with tomorrow, right? So if I fail at something today, I'm going to use grit to keep at it. And my growth mindset is going to tell me that tomorrow it's going to get a little easier. And the day after that, a little easier. And with the combination of grit and growth mindset really enables us to tackle difficult things, to develop resilience, to persist through challenges that normally would weigh us down a lot more. So I throw that out to you. I'm assuming that if you made it through law school, you have a level of grit and a level of a growth mindset that has helped you in the past. So the more that you can tap into that and remind yourself of your grit and encourage that growth mindset, that's going to be helpful. So I mentioned that um, how you're thinking about the bar exam will affect your performance. Okay. So one thing to ask yourself is like, what does it mean for me to either pass or not pass this bar exam. So some of the misconceptions about the bar exam is that it measures your intelligence, right? This is the, the litmus test for, am I smart enough to be a lawyer? Or this is a test to measure if I'm going to be a good lawyer. Do I have the ability to be a good lawyer? The bar exam does not test that in the same way that an intelligence test, an IQ test, does not test how smart you are because that idea of uh, intelligence or smarts is a very complex idea. So one exam or a, a, an array of tasks on a, an exam can't possibly assess that. So a more helpful way of looking at the bar exam is that it is a barrier to entry into the profession, right? It's some, some task that's set up to make somebody try really hard to get over that barrier, right? To prove themselves in some way, to demonstrate that they have the education from law school to enter the profession. The other thing that it measures is your ability to study and pass a comprehensive law exam. Okay, so uh, one way to look at it is hopefully, uh, unless you choose otherwise, you take the bar exam once. Right, that's that's the ideal for those people who have passed the bar exam and gone on to practice for decades. When they think about, oh yeah, I took the bar exam. Usually, the next thought they have was, I don't ever want to take that again, or I'm glad I don't have to do that again. So, people who are who are successful lawyers, you know, for decades, if they did take the bar exam again, they're not guaranteed to pass it because they haven't been practicing the skills of studying a lot to pass a comprehensive exam. Their expertise now is more in their experience in the practice of law. So I, I just want to put that out there, one to uh, relieve any pressure that the bar exam is a reflection of you as a person or as a future professional. It's really about your ability to handle the demands right now of the bar exam. All right, so things that are going to be helpful to manage the pressure that you're under while you're preparing for the bar exam. Um, one is your, your priorities, right? So usually when we think about priorities in this time, we're thinking about well, my priority is to study as much as I can, to cram as much information into my brain and try to hold it there until right after the bar exam's over, and then I can let it all go. Um, my suggestion is a little different. It's to start with yourself, right? To make yourself the priority. Um, part of this is to really recognize what you need and not just 
uh, assume that your intentions are good enough. So what I mean by this is I can have the intention to, you know, really focus, to study well, to memorize things, to like put them back into my memory, to refresh my memory, and then, you know, do that 24-7 until the bar exam. The reality is that intention doesn't match up with what it's actually like to study and remember things. So I need to understand what I need, what tools are necessary, not just a bar prep course or materials or a, a schedule or habits, but the tools that I need that are necessary to do well are, are or include things like adequate sleep, because I could spend all day cramming information into my head. But if I'm sleep deprived, it doesn't stay there. So I'm going to talk about sleep and other strategies that are helpful. But just to reiterate, it's really helpful to first start with what do I need to succeed aside from my intentions? Uh, related to this is just your expectations of yourself. Right? What do you expect from yourself? Do I expect myself to read something brand new that I haven't really studied in law school. It's a new topic. I'm going to read it once and I'm going to remember it. If I expect myself to do that, then each time that I, I try to read it once and then it doesn't stick, suddenly I'm adding more pressure on myself because I didn't live up to my expectation. So uh, you can also have general expectations like, I can make it through bar prep with three hours of sleep every night. That's okay. I'll make it. Those are unhelpful expectations. Okay. Another thing to, to focus on in, in terms of managing your stress during a stressful period is to, to practice identifying what is in your direct control and also by, by extension, what's not in your direct control and then focus your attention and your energy on that smallest of things that is in, in your direct control. So the surfer metaphor, I probably overuse, but you know the surfer doesn't try to control the wave, the weather, or the tides. The surfer just tries to control what they can do in response to those things. In the same way, you're not going to be able to control the amount of material in your bar prep course, right? Or what the bar prep people tell you you should be consuming up until that point or how far into the course you should be. What you can control is prioritizing yourself, making sure that you have what you need, the tools necessary, making sure that you uh, utilize those internal skills like a growth mindset and grit, right? Those things, when you focus on them, then it feels like, all right, I'm not... I'm not trying to control those other things. I'm just focusing on what I can do in response to them. And that's, even though it doesn't change the external factors, it really changes your experience in them. So one example of something you can control are boundaries. And very briefly, a boundary is your decision to say no when you could say yes. We, we need boundaries. I literally can talk about boundaries for an hour, but I won't. Um, so you'll have to trust me that boundaries are really important in terms of us feeling like we're exercising some healthy control in our lives. And I am setting some, uh, I'm making decisions in the, the direction of my priorities. So saying no when you could say yes. Sometimes, particularly in times when you're under a lot of pressure, hence preparing for the bar, sometimes it feels like I don't have choice in this matter, right? Everything is being demanded of me. I don't have enough time. I can't get all the stuff done. It's too much. And I don't have any wiggle room. So I, I don't have the space to say no when I could say yes, because I have to say yes to all this stuff. When you practice boundaries, you're going to start to feel like I have a little bit more control in this chaotic situation. You can make boundaries with other people. You can also make boundaries with yourself. So, for example, uh, particularly when you're, when you're spending a lot of time trying to consume a lot of information 
crack in your brain. And you might be doing that in a solitary way. Boundaries with yourself can be really important. An example of this would be, you know, instead of me staying up and studying until I absolutely cannot study anymore, it's me saying to myself, I'm going to study until this time and then I'm going to stop. I could do more, but I'm choosing to stop. I'm choosing to say no to myself or to my exam book. Um, and then after I say no, I have control over what I do with my time and energy after that. You contrast that with not having a boundary. And the result is I just study until I pass out, right? So I don't feel control in that situation. I feel like I want to do more, but I'm unable to do more. And so that will increase our levels of stress. When we practice boundaries, that decreases our stress a little bit over time, because at first it's hard to do it. But once you get a little more comfortable with the boundaries, it actually will decrease your stress a little bit because you're feeling more in control. And it's a good way to protect yourself. Again, I can give you lots more information on, on boundaries. Um, my contact information is at the end, so feel free to reach out. Um, other things to prioritize are, I, I label these preventative strategies, but quite frankly, at this point in the process, they're probably not preventative. Um, they're more reactionary, maybe. All to say, these are really important. All right, these are important in times of stress. These are important when things feel a little lighter and you feel like, oh, I have room to breathe. These are still really good things to prioritize. Number one on my list is always sleep. Okay. So it's easy for me to say this, I know. Uh, it's hard to implement it when you're feeling like, I have so much work to do. I don't have enough time to do the work. So how can I prioritize sleep when it feels like that's not very productive? I could be much more productive if I just stay awake. Again, the reality is you need sleep for your brain and your memory to function well. So if you're trading sleep for study time, Right. If you're telling yourself, I don't need eight hours of sleep, I can get by in four, I'm fine. Right. I just need to study more. I'll be more productive. I'll feel better having dedicated that time to studying instead of sleeping. The reality is when you're sleep deprived, your logical thinking is impaired, your memory is impaired, your ability to focus and sustain your concentration is impaired. Right. All the things that you need to study well are impaired when you're sleep deprived. The reverse is true as well. Those things that you need to study well are improved when you get good sleep. So prioritizing your sleep is like essential for good functioning. How do you do that? You set a schedule, right? Sleep hygiene is just a fancy way of saying a, a good sleep routine. So having a consistent bedtime every night of the week, allowing yourself the ability to get eight hours. So don't set your bedtime for, for midnight and set your alarm for 4 a.m. Like if you got sleep, you, you don't have the ability to get enough. So make sure that you give yourself the window to get enough sleep. Then have a routine, a predictable routine leading up to bedtime. So do the same things in the same order leading up to bedtime. Part of that routine can be um, reducing stimulation. Um, so think about your senses, right? Like light, shut off screens, dim the lights. Think about what sounds relaxing to you. Put, put some relaxing sounds in your environment. Maybe a relaxing smell. You know, access that re relaxing smell. When you do this consistently, what you do with that routine is that you're teaching your brain that these are signals that sleep is coming. So your brain starts to prepare for sleep before you get into bed. This is very different than when you're going, 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 and then suddenly you feel exhausted and you flop down on your bed and you're hoping that you know your brain will just shut off. Sometimes if you're exhausted, you do get right to sleep. 
sometimes what happens is when you're going, going, going all day long, you kind of don't deal with stuff that's already in your brain, things you're worried about, things you're concerned with. So when you lay your head down and you try to shut off your brain, that's when suddenly those thoughts come in and that can keep you up at night. So if that's you, then as part of that routine leading up to bedtime, schedule some time at the beginning of that schedule to just get that stuff out of your head if you know it's in there. Just like get it out, do a brain dump. I often tell people to write two lists. Write a to-do list that you that you want to remember and write a list that you're just worried about that you don't need to remember. You can't do, you can't do anything about it. You can just throw that list away. Keep your to-do list. Throw the other one away. There's other things that can help your sleep. Obviously, your the environment in which you're sleeping, making sure that that is conducive to sleep to the best of your ability, uh, reserving your bed for sleep and sex. So don't study in bed, don't watch TV in bed, don't check emails in bed. Reserve that for sex and sleep. And again, what this does is it heightens that association in our brains between the bed and sleep. So when I get into bed, my brain knows, oh, I'm going to go to sleep. It's obvious to me. Also, that routine is obvious to me. So in essence, you are classically conditioning your brain to get ready for sleep before you get into bed. There's lots of other tips that are helpful in improving your sleep. Again, I'm happy to talk with anybody at length about these things. So another essential is exercise, right? Some of these essentials, um, in, a, in addition to being really important and really helpful, they also happen to be the things that we cut out first when we feel like we don't have enough time to do the work that we have to do. So I'm under a lot of pressure. I've got this huge list of things I need to read and consume. I don't have enough time. I'm starting to cut out things, right? Cutting out time with friends. I cut out exercise. I cut out hobbies. I start shaving off hours of sleep to try to get more time to do this stuff. So it, it is counterintuitive to prioritize these things that seem like, you know what? I can live without them for a while. So. I would encourage you to think about making adjustments, but not eliminating things that that need to be um, changed while you're preparing for the bar. So think about if I can't do my normal routine, perhaps you had a good exercise routine, but now that has suffered because you're prioritizing preparing for the bar. Think about how can I integrate more movement while I'm studying? How can I exercise in you know smaller chunks? Or where can I fit it in? Right? As opposed to feeling like it's either or. I either exercise or I put it on hold. Okay, so exercise is really good for our bodies. It is really good for stress management. And it's actually really good for our brain functioning. So it helps our brains function in different ways particularly like when you're trying to understand something and you're stuck and you're like, ah, I just can't get this. I can't get this. Sometimes you just like keep at it, right? You got that, that grit. I want to keep at it until, until I understand it. Sometimes what's really helpful in those situations is to stop doing the thing that you're trying to master and move your body, get up, move around, exercise a little bit, get the, the heart pumping. It activates your brain differently then come back and try again. Sometimes that's all you need to sort of get over that, that barrier. Um, also, what you use to fuel your body is really helpful, particularly when you're trying to, to have that stamina during this high stress period, right? So uh, looking at the fuel that you use, right? Um, again, oftentimes this goes out the window when we're under a lot of pressure time pressure. So we are like, all right, I just need caffeine and sugar. That's all I need to sustain myself. Uh, obviously, people have done that. I don't recommend it. Um, not only is healthier food good for us physically, it's good for us mentally. All right. Um, our energy levels are going to be able to uh, be more consistent and sustained if we have a better uh, balance of vegetables, fruits, fresh stuff, 
protein, right? When we don't rely on sugar and caffeine, we're able to focus better, right? You don't have those peaks and valleys of energy. You, you have more of a consistent um, source of fuel. So think about what would be good for you, right? Try to plan ahead, right? To the extent that you can, can you meal prep so that you don't have to spend a lot of time, you know, doing meal stuff while you're studying, right? If you plan ahead, you're more likely to, to make better choices. When you don't plan ahead, you just grab whatever's close. That's often not the best. So just be thinking about how the fuel that you use can help you in, in a, an array, uh, a myriad of ways. Another suggestion is to breathe. If you have stopped breathing, I highly recommend you continue to breathe or breathe some more. Deep breathing really is uh, something different than just breathing like we do naturally. Deep breathing is a decision that you make to change how you're breathing in the moment to affect how you're feeling internally. Right? You can regulate how you feel in the moment by changing how you breathe. So our brains will both tell us how to breathe, which is good because if you stop thinking about breathing, you don't want to stop breathing. So our brains will do that automatically. That helps us breathe continuously. Um, but the opposite is true as well. Our brains interpret our breathing. So if we consciously slow our breathing down, take slow, deep breaths, and a slow inhale, a slow exhale, and we do that repeatedly, you'll actually feel your body start to relax and things will start to slow down. Your brain will start to interpret that as this is not how I feel when I'm really stressed out. This is how I feel when I'm calm. This is how I feel when I'm confident. So if you're feeling worried, if you're feeling that, that you know, that's pressure of the stress, try just to take a moment or two and just try to slow down your breath and notice how that feels in the moment. Notice how, like, if you can make yourself feel, internally feel more calm, the pressures around you start to feel less threatening because you start to feel more in control because you're literally controlling how you feel internally. So deep breathing, a very helpful strategy. Another one is mindfulness. In a nutshell, mindfulness is just directing your attention to the present moment and just paying attention to what's going on, both externally, but more importantly, internally. So like doing a check-in with yourself, how am I feeling? Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I cold? Am I hot? Am I uncomfortable? Do I feel pain? Do I feel comfort? Right? Having that awareness will help you to recognize needs, to recognize changes that happen internally. And then when you recognize them in the moment, you can do something about them. Right? That presents opportunities for you to exercise control. This is different than if you just go through your day without any awareness, and then you look back at your day, and you're like, oh, yeah, all that stuff happened. Well, that stuff you can't do anything about anymore. But if you're aware of it in the moment, then you can do something about it, right? If I realize that I'm, I'm uncomfortable, I can stretch. If I recognize that I'm feeling frustrated because I can't get this thing, I can't figure it out, I can choose to stop doing it and move my body around, right? If I realize that I'm hungry, I can eat food, all right? So little things like that, even though it might not seem very uh, significant, can actually be significant in terms of feeling more control feeling like I am navigating my stressful environment in a much more uh, proactive way. So mindfulness, it's good. Um, also, your social supports, your social connections are really important. Again, one of the first things to go out the, the window when all of a sudden you're trying to cram for the bar exam. So uh, remind yourself not to isolate. 
right? When you're feeling like, you know, the whole world doesn't understand what I'm doing. I just have to, to spend all these hours preparing. It can feel really isolating, particularly when you're some of your friends who are not law students are not preparing for the bar or your family, they might not understand what it's like to prepare for the bar, right? So if you're done with law school and your, your friends, non-law school friends are like, oh, great, you're done. Or your family's like, congratulations, you're done. And you're like, no, I'm not done. No, I have to prepare for the bar. And, and they may not understand what that's like, okay? So talking to people who do understand is really important, right? It, it offers you that validation and connection that you're, you're doing something, you're having this shared experience with other people. Even though it doesn't change the actual task at hand, it lightens the burden when we feel like oh, I'm not doing this alone, right? Other people are doing it too. I'm doing it with them. They understand what I'm going through. I understand what they're going through. All right. Um, so that's really important. Also, taking breaks from studying and making sure that you have non-bar prep activities in your schedule also very important, right? So breaks are important. I'm gonna talk a little bit about breaks in a bit, but breaks are important. Okay, so some of those things that I just talked about are preventative, right? If you're getting good sleep before bar prep period, prioritize continuing to, to get good sleep, right? Because that preventative stuff is really good. There's also things you can do in the moment, right? In vivo strategies that are helpful. One is just to, to again, understand uh, a little bit about your internal workings. You don't have to be a biologist. Some simple information can be helpful. So just understanding uh, your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. Your sympathetic nervous system is responsible for the fight, flight, or freeze syndrome, right? This is the stress response. When there's a threat, we will either fight and approach the threat, we will run away and avoid the threat, or we will freeze and hope that the threat passes. So when we are feeling this way, um, it's helpful to know what charges us up, right? what feels like a threat to us, and what we can do to manage that internal experience. Okay. The flip side of the sympathetic nervous system is the parasympathetic nervous system. All right. So the sympathetic nervous system charges us up, gets us ready for the threat. The parasympathetic nervous system, nervous system calms us down. Okay. It's responsible for your immune system, uh, sleep, digestion. If we are constantly feeling like we're fired up, Right, the bar exam's always on my mind. I'm always studying. I never shut down. What happens is that we're overactivated, right? So what suffers is our sleep, our digestion, and our immune system. Okay. So I won't go more into sleep because don't get me started again. But uh, the more that we sort of prioritize activity and being on and engaged we are taking a break from the reparative stuff that we need. So again, just to reiterate, you need that other stuff. You need your immune system. You need that repair and recharge in order to do uh, the things you're trying to do. Um, related to this, um, increasing your resilience or your sense that you can make it through something difficult and come out stronger on the other side uh, part of that is recognizing what effect your environment has on you or what effect bar prep has on you, right? Mentally, emotionally, physically, how is it affecting you? And then also, how can you affect your internal state, right? Going back to that idea of, you know, changing your breathing, right? Being aware that when I'm fired up all the time, I'm actually wearing myself down because I'm not giving myself enough time to recharge with sleep. I'm not giving my immune system the ability to repair, right? So the more that I can recognize how I'm being impacted 
by my stress in the environment and what I can do about it, what's in my control, how can I control my internal state? That's really helpful in being resilient through these difficult periods. Um, when I talk about resilience, one, one metaphor is, you know, being in the driver's seat, like literally driving a vehicle. Okay. So when you're aware, like imagine yourself driving a vehicle. If, if you've never done that, use your imagination. If you have, think back to the last time you're behind the wheel and think about um, the things that you could be aware of, right? The road conditions, the weather, um, how you're feeling, if you're tired or not, right? How the car is handling, right? Is the heat working? Are you cold? Um, the more that you have awareness of those things around you and inside you, the better prepared you are to exercise options, okay? So this is very different than when you're just along for the ride. Right? So you don't feel like you're in the driver's seat. You're in the passenger seat now. You're along for the ride. Things are just happening to you. That is a very different experience of stress than when you feel like I'm in the driver's seat. Right? The conditions are the same. Right? Imagine yourself driving through a, a snowstorm. Right? When you're in the driver's seat, you feel like I have the opportunity to do something. When you're in the passenger seat and you're just along for the ride, you're going through the same stuff but you don't feel that connection to there's something I can do about this. Okay. So if at any point while you're preparing for the bar exam, you feel like I am totally in the passenger seat along for the ride, right? Life is happening to me, right? Stress is happening to me. I'm just along for the ride. That is um, the opposite of feeling resilient, feeling empowered. Okay, so think about how are you, in what ways are you in the driver's seat? What are you aware of? What do you have control over? How can you direct your experience through this store? Okay. Um, all right, so another way that you can exercise some control is to look at associations you have. I mentioned that with the sleep routine, basically what you're doing is classically conditioning your brain to prepare for sleep before you get into bed. So that idea of conditioning um, or classical conditioning comes from Pavlov training his dogs to salivate at the sound of a bell. Um, so when you think about that process, uh, it could be helpful to um, sort of make changes to your experience. So the first thing there is changing old associations, right? So an automatic response is something that happens naturally, right? I am naturally charged up by a threat, right? So when something is threatening to me, I don't have to think about being charged up. I just am. It's a natural response. If I have this response to something, right? I feel anxious when something happens. I can actually change that association. I can start to, to try to pair something relaxing with the thing that makes me feel stressed. So eventually the feeling relaxed wins out over the feeling stressed. Um, you can also repurpose those existing associations. Right? So recognizing the response and using that response for something else. The example that, that I often use is, um, I was talking to, to one person once who described when he starts to feel stress, he starts to feel like a, a tense feeling in his chest, right? his muscles. Um, that's how that's his signal for like, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling stressed. And I asked him like, when else do you ever feel that physical sensation? And, and he thought, he was like, oh, when I'm at the gym, when I'm working out, I feel that same sensation. So we thought about a creative way to repurpose that experience. So what he did is whenever he felt that stress, that anxiety at work, he stopped. He recognized what it was. He stopped doing what he was doing. And then he did some push-ups in his office. He just like started working out a little bit, did some push-ups. He repurposed that feeling. He was charged up. 
He's like, oh, this, this, this physical sensation makes me feel worried in front of my computer. But in a gym setting, it makes me feel motivated and like, oh, I'm, I'm working out. So that's what he did. He repurposed it. And suddenly that feeling didn't you know, overshadow his whole day. He felt like, oh, I actually feel better now. I did some push-ups. I used that feeling and now I got back to my computer and now I'm feeling better. So repurposing is one, one option. Another is to create new associations, right? So if I want to feel more confident while I'm studying, right? To then think about, well, how do I feel when I'm confident, right? Going back to the idea of deep breathing, I breathe differently when I'm confident. So how about practicing those deep, breath, those deep breaths while I'm studying? And then I can, I can control how I feel in the midst of that, that experience that I typically feel worried. But now I'm going to start to feel relaxed because I'm taking control over my internal uh, condition. And you do that over and over again, and you start to create a new association. Over time, your brain starts to associate my feeling of deep breathing and relaxed this internal state of relaxation with studying. So over time, suddenly studying is no longer as threatening. I feel more confident and comfortable while I'm studying. All right. Um, so I've thrown out some, some random examples, but really what's most important is for you to think about what helps you, right? You could listen to someone like me go on and on about different tips and stuff. Um, but when it comes down to it, what works for you works for you. All right. So what helps you when you want to relax, you know, like what, what stimulation helps, what routines help, what activities help you relax. All right. So when you have a, a clear sense of what helps you relax, then you can utilize those, those things when you want to, you know, wind down, relax, feel calm. The, the opposite is true as well, right? What helps you ramp up? Maybe you don't need to ramp up right now. Maybe the stress of the exam is all you need and you're ramped up. But there might be times when you're just feeling like, I don't want to get started. You know, it's just another day of studying. Eh, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling motivated or ramped up. So to know, it is helpful to know what helps you get charged up, right? What motivates you? So maybe there's something different that'll charge you up. You know, playing, you know, a theme song that helps you feel like, yeah, I'm ready to go. You know, the Rocky theme song obviously is the best, but um, anything that helps you feel like ready to go, right? The more that you know what helps you activate your sympathetic nervous system in a good way, in a helpful way the more control you'll feel in directing yourself in that direction when needed. The same is true for when you need to relax because you need both. All right. And then let's talk about some practical things that are helpful in studying. So one is your physical environment. If you live or work in, a, in a, an environment like this, um, stop, just don't. Uh, your brain works best when you can use your energy, right? Use your effort in an efficient way. If you give your brain stuff to survey, um, your brain will waste energy, right? So if you're in a, an environment like this and you're trying to study, if this is your space and you know what that stuff is on your desk, what happens is our brains will scan our environment for threats. Cause like, we want to know, like I'm charged up, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to do something, but like, I don't know what to do or where to direct my attention. Cause there's so many things to consider. So uh, an example of this might be if you're not using one of those strict schedules to study for the bar exam and you just have different areas to study and you decide day to day, like what, what do I feel like studying today? 
right? Your brain has to then assess like, well, what feels like most important? Where is my interest? Where do I feel motivated? Right? That will waste energy. So the more that you can be in an, a physical environment that is clutter-free with less distraction, your brain works better. In the same way, your digital space, right? If you're working on your computer, if that's how you're accessing your study materials, then like make sure that you're not looking at chaos on your screen, right? Don't have lots of things open, right? Make, try to simplify as best you can so that it feels like, like when you open your computer, your brain knows, oh, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm not deciding between 10 things to do. Do I check email? Do I want to check Facebook? Do I want to go on social media? It's like, nope, I'm eliminating, eliminating those decisions. I'm being simplistic. This is what I'm doing when I open my computer. My brain doesn't need to consider options. I'm giving it one. Even though it sounds simplistic, that can actually help our brains focus better, right? It also eliminates distractions. Um, I mentioned sort of knowing what works for you in terms of relaxing and charging yourself up. Um, you can go a step further and think about you know, what motivates you, right? What helps you to tackle something that perhaps you don't want to tackle, right? Or this subject, uh, like this is not my area of expertise. I had no interest in this subject. I try to avoid, I avoided these classes in law school because I had no interest, but now I have to study it. Right. So what's going to help you be motivated, right? To get through that. So for some people, um, a reward is motivating. Like I'm going to set myself a schedule. And when I when I complete this stuff, I'm going to reward myself in some way that's meaningful to me. For others, like a, a disincentive is motivating, right? So if I don't get this done by the end of today, or if I don't focus on this today, I'm going to, you know, punish myself in some way. I'm going to tell my, my friend that I didn't do the thing that I said I was going to do. Related to that is accountability. Sometimes telling somebody else something, telling somebody else your plan for the day can be motivating to stick to that plan because you know, like, well, I'm going to have to report back to my my study buddy, and I want to be able to report some positive things. So that might help you uh, stay uh, focused and motivated. Um, also, the flip side of what distracts you, right? For some people, um, well, for all of us, we are distracted by different things at different times. So having an awareness of what distracts you, obviously very helpful. If you are constantly distracted by email pop-ups, turn off your email. You should just do that anyway, because email is a huge distraction. Um, but other things that are distracting can be like, some people are, are more sensitive to being thirsty or hungry. They're just more aware of it. It affects them more. So eliminate distractions like that by having what you need in front of you. Have water, have a drink, have a snack available. Right. If uh, interruptions distract you a lot, try to think about how can I be in an environment where I can eliminate interruptions or distractions. The temperature of the room, like, is that a distraction for you? The noise outside, the ambient noise in the room. Do you need total silence? Do you work best in total silence? Or do you work best with some ambient um, noise in the background, right? At a cafe or at a library where there's some noise, but not completely silent. Again, knowing what helps you or what distracts you, having that awareness is going to be really helpful. Um, also knowing how do you respond to discomfort, right? We all are motivated by pursuing pleasure and avoiding pain, right? So when we're feeling discomfort or pain, when I know how I'm going to respond to that, that helps me problem solve. So for some things, I'm going to respond to discomfort by avoiding it, right? Like, oh, I don't want to study that. I'm going to push that off to the end, right? That's how I'm responding to pain. Or um, 
you know, I respond to, to this pain by like tackling it. Right. So again, knowing how you respond to certain discomfort is helpful. Right? You can sort of plan ahead for things that are not helpful. You can utilize that response in other ways. So yeah, I'll get to that in another slide. But um, and also, how do you study best? How do you learn best? Um, some people are are fond of saying, like, "I'm a visual learner." Right? I'm an auditory learner. Right? The the reality is everybody learns through multiple uh, modes. Right? Listening, seeing doing um, so so you're not just one or the other but you might have a preference there might be a a way of taking in information that works better for you than other modes so having an awareness of that can be helpful and to the extent that you have an option around that utilizing those options all right another thing to to try to do uh, i mentioned eliminating distractions. One such thing is, is this idea of multitasking. It's not necessarily a distraction, but it has the same effect as a distraction. So when you're trying to do more than one thing at a time, when you're trying to focus your attention at more than one thing at a time, you're not actually doing that, right? You're switching back and forth between one thing and another. That's task switching. We can't actually multitask but we can task switch. So task switching is very similar to a distraction, right? Our attention gets drawn somewhere else and then we draw it back. So when we're trying to do that, when we're making a decision to go back and forth and it's multitasking, like we're, we're not doing ourselves any favors. So you're much more efficient when you do one thing at a time and can focus your attention on that. So think about how you can uh, simplify what you're doing so that you're not even attempting to do more than one thing at a time, so that your attention at least has the opportunity to stay on one thing, right? And to consume that, that which you are paying attention to. Another is to, I mentioned reducing distractions, uh, but also taming tasks, right? So how can you, um, break down a task so that it's manageable, right? A lot of the bar prep materials kind of do that for you. They break down sections. They tell you how much you should be reading. Um, but even uh, within those things, even if you have that setup, right? Feeling like you know how to break something down to bite size quantities um, is really helpful. Because when we're feeling overwhelmed, like I don't know where to start. I don't know how to tackle this thing. All right? That in and of itself, that feeling of feeling overwhelmed is a distraction. And it can paralyze us. Right? Like I don't know what to do next. So practicing breaking things down. Sometimes literally writing them out on a to-do list or a schedule so that it becomes finite. It's no longer this vague sense in our brain of like, I've got this big thing to do. I don't know where the steps are. I don't know where the edges are. I don't know what I'm gonna be done. Making it finite. Like these are the steps I need to do. This is the first one I wanna tackle next and next. That can start to, to free up energy in our brain and focus. And it makes things feel more manageable because we literally can see what it is that I'm gonna do next and how to, to move to the next step. Um, another thing that's helpful is to look at, uh, related to that idea that we pursue pleasure and we avoid pain and how we handle discomfort. One of the things that is most common in avoiding discomfort is procrastination, right? I don't wanna do this thing. It's my least favorite topic. I hate studying this. I want to push that off, right? I want to avoid this discomfort I'm feeling right now. Therefore, I'm going to push it off and I'm going to focus on something else. I want to do something else that I like, that I'm interested in, right? And then later, I'm going to do that other thing. But then time passes and it gets to the time where to do that other thing. And now I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I spent all day doing other things. I want to just push that thing off again. 
So a technique to um, fight procrastination is called eat the frog, hence the picture, right? So this is a Mark Twain quote about how if it's your job to eat a frog every day, you should eat it first thing in the morning. And if it's your job to eat two frogs every day, you should eat the biggest frog first. So the idea here is when you have uh, your to-do list for the day, you take the worst thing on that list and you do it first thing in the morning. All right. So you tackle the thing that you don't want to do when you have the most energy starting off your day. Then everything after that is easier. Right. It's like, oh, I made so much progress in this terrible thing. Now everything else on my list, it's easier to do. Right. It's the opposite of procrastination. And then finally, uh, I mentioned taking breaks. Right. You need a break from studying. Right. You need to sleep. You need to do other things, but throughout your day, you need breaks. And there's interesting research that shows when our brains know that the discomfort we're under, the pain that we're experiencing, when our brains know that that will end at a particular time, our pain tolerance goes up. We can handle it better versus when we don't know when it's going to end, our pain tolerance goes down. It's harder to focus, right? So thinking about uh, studying as painful in some way, right? it's hard to, to remember this, it's hard to study this, it's hard to do this, right? If I give myself breaks, predictable breaks throughout the day, my brain will handle that discomfort better. I can focus better because I know I don't have to focus forever. I don't have to put up with this discomfort forever. I know when it's going to end. So literally setting timers so that timer goes off, you take a break, right? And if you're consistent, right? If your brain can predict it, then your brain will be able to focus better and you'll be more productive because your brain knows pain is going to end at a certain time. So there's more to say in all these things. Uh, Hopefully, there's something in here that's helpful to you. Um, again, I highly encourage you if there's um, more information that would be helpful on any of these topics, either check out our website, reach out to me or one of my colleagues, and we're happy to sort of go into more detail in terms of what would be helpful for you, um, either now or in the future. Um so there's a question in the Q&A. Any advice for the day of the exam? That's a great question. Um, yes. So the day of the exam, uh, some common things that might be helpful is if you can go to the physical location of the exam before the exam day, right? Like do the route, the traveling route. Get used to the physical environment so that when you get there, it feels familiar. Right. It's not a brand new place and you're not giving your brain all this new stimulation to sort through. But like, um, you know, at least once going there, if you can go there multiple times, make it more familiar, the better. Um, Also, practice some of those in vivo things, right? That the deep breathing. Practice it at the location. Right. So try to try to give yourself the opportunity to feel stress at that location. And then in the moment, practice taking some control over that physical experience and slowing down your breath and relaxing. All right. Also, the day of the exam, remind yourself that this exam tests your ability to prepare and pass an exam. Okay. So it's not an exam for of your intelligence. It's not an exam of how good a lawyer you're going to be. And and it it is an exam on how to prepare for and pass this exam. Um, And then, yeah, other things that might be helpful are going to be very individually uh, specific, but things like, you know, making sure that you have what you need ahead of time for the exam, right? So if you have a medication that you have to take, uh, making sure that you have access to that. Like talk to the bar exam people about medications or um, know where the bathrooms are, right? Know where um, 
you have access to water, simple things like that, just to make yourself feel a little more familiar with the environment can be really helpful. Hopefully that is answering your question, at least enough. Um, all right. So we are at the end of our time. My apologies for talking so long. Um, but hopefully this has been helpful. Again, you are invited to reach out if I can be more helpful. All right. Thank you, Sean. And with that, we'll wrap up the webinar. Thank you to our attendees. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Thanks, everyone.